Recording in progress. <clears throat> okay, good morning everyone. Welcome to the Life and Torah of Our Leaders. Tuesday mornings at 11.30, live with First Seder Bismedrish. Special welcome to our Torah Anytime viewers and listeners who will be joining the share to find out more information about the wonderful program for Seder Bismedrish. You could go to firstseder.org or email Rabbi Greenspan, Rabbi Greenspan at firstseder.org for more information. Join the Shurim, live Shurim. Um, you could join through Zoom. So it's a wonderful, wonderful program. Shurim for Chaydesh Cheshvan have been sponsored by myself and my siblings, the Gross, Londoner, and Newman families, Lilinishmas. Rebarye ben Reb Tzvi Shalom and my mother Hinda Bashmuel Hakain Alav Shalom, their neshamas should have an aliyah from the Limud Atayra, and this is for Chaydish Cheshvan. This will be the last year in Cheshvan, and if you're interested in sponsoring either for Chaydish Kislev or just weekly, you could sponsor the shiurim as well. You could contact me on my website, RabbiDavidAgross.com. We are continuing our in uh, learning about the Paiskim. And this week we are going to learn about the Aruch HaShulchan. The Aruch HaShulchan um, from the Paiskim HaAcharonim. And um, to me it's very meaningful as well. My Rav, my Rebbe, Rabbi Yisrael Grumer, Zechreina Livracha, the Rav of Cleveland. The Aruch HaShulchan's word by him was the final Psak. He knew it Balpeh. And it's something uh, we grew up with, and in my limud of Psak Halacha, for the Rabbanus, um, the Archa Shulchan was one of our main, main paiskim. Who was the Archa Shulchan? Rabbi Chiel Michal Halevi Epstein. And he was Nifter in the year 1908, Chafbez Adar Bez, Now, the family name Epstein is very interesting. A lot of the information for the Archa Shulchan's life is in the Svarim called Mikar Baruch. Mikar Baruch was written by his son, Reb Baruch Epstein, who's well known as the Torah Tamima. He was the author of the Torah Tamima. So many, much of the information comes from uh, the many volumes of Mikar Baruch. And over there, he writes that the name Epstein, the family Epstein, actually, they were from originally from Spain. And they came from Golis Yerushalayim Asher B'svarad, he writes that they were originally from those exiles from Yerushalayim who ended up in Spain. We spoke about this barichos in the Shir on the Abarbanel. And the family's name at that time in Spain was actually Benabesti or Benabesti. So uh, 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 it's a, a, a Spanish name. They were from the Chashev families in Sfarad in Spain and in Portugal. And in 1492, with the expulsion, the family left Spain. Part of the family went all the way to Turkey, and they still keep that name, Benavesti or Benavesti, something like that, um, till today, he writes. And um, others, they only made it as far as Germany, and they were accepted in Germany. And the city they settled in was actually called Epstein, so therefore as Akaras Hatoiv, for the city, accepting these refugees from Spain, they took on the family name Epstein, and that is how the, the, uh, the name came to be. Um, this family this traces its yichus back to the Balhamar, 
and the Ra'ah, two of the great Svardasha Rishonim. Those were the patriarchs of this family, um, the Epstein family. His father's name was Rabaran Yitzchak Kalevi, his mother's name was Rashka, and he was born, the Archashulchan Rabbi Chiyo Michal was born Chaf Shvat of 1829 in the, ear, in the city called Boibrusik, which is today in Belarus. It's about 144 kilometers southeast of Minsk. And um, he calls it, when the Archashulchan signs his name in the beginning of one of his svarim, Arla Yesharim, he says, I'm from the Yelide Babrusik, Ir Habitsura, a fortified city, Beplach Minsk, in the area of Minsk, Bemedinas Ruslan Hamatira, in the country of Russia. So that is where he was born. His father was born there as well. His father was a contractor, was involved in building, and uh, actually I think he traveled a lot and he built for the Tsar and for, the, for, for Russia. And um, the, the Rebbe Chiel Michal, he learned in the, in the local cheder. He once commented about something in the local cheder that he experienced. And uh, it seems that his, his uh, kivun in life, his uh, goal in life, was to be very similar to his father, and that was to be involved in business. And uh, like his son writes, when he was young, he also was involved in business, like the minug of many families in those days, to be kaveh itim latayra, to be involved in the business world, and to be kaveh itim latayra. Now, there was a city about 50 kilometers away from um, Bobrusiuk, and it, the Rav of that, it was a city called Parich, or something like that, and the Rav of that city was someone named Rav Leo Goldberg, who was a Talmud of Reb Chaim Velazhener. And he somehow met Rabbi Chil Michal at some Suda, Suda's Mitzvah, and he spoke to him in learning, was very, very impressed with him, and he convinced his parents that they should allow him to forget the business and involve himself, Kuloi Batayra, and he actually did that. He left everything over and he started learning Torah full time. And a short time later, he went to Velazhin to learn in the Yeshiva of Velazhin, who at that time, the Yeshiva of Velazhin, the Rosh Yeshiva was Reb Itzela Velazhiner, who was the son of Reb Chaim Velazhiner. Now, we don't know exactly which years he went. However, Reb Itzela was Nifter in the year Tuf Reish Tess. Tuf Reish Tess is 1849. And um, the Archashulchan quotes something he heard from Rabitzel Bisoif Yamov at the end of his life. So it seems that he was in, now he was in Velazhin for two years. So it seems he was there um, somehow around the years 1847 to 1849, around um, those years. Now, Ramosha Shmuel Shapiro is a and this is not the Ramosha Shmuel that's well known from Eretz Yisrael. This is a different Ramosha Shmuel Shapiro who was, if I'm, was Nifter in the early 60s, if I'm correct, there's a, a Sefer called Chayav, or Ramosha Shmuel Vidoiroi, or something like that. I think he was a, a principal in Yeshiva's Rebbeinu Chaim Berlin, I guess in the 40s and the 50s. And um, he said that he once met the Archashulchan in Vilna, and the Archashulchan told him that when he was learning in Velazhin, he was a very big Masmid, and uh, he liked to get up very early to learn. So he says, in the winter, it was a little hard to get from wherever he, I don't want to call it a dormitory, but wherever he slept, to wake up in the cold and then go th- trudge through the snow of Alajin. 
to get to the yeshiva, so he decided that there was a little like closet or room right off of the Bismedrish. So he told the janitor to bring his bed to that room, and the Archashulcha and Rabbi Chiel Michal would sleep in the room, and then when he, got, when he got up in the morning or in the middle of the night to go learn, he's right away in the Bismedrish. So Rebitzel heard about it, he, he saw something was off, and Rebitzel was, who, who was very makbid on Seder. He was very makbid on Seder HaYeshiva, meaning there's a certain order, and this is what this Ramesh Shmuel was trying to bring out, or maybe even the Arach HaShulchan, in relating the story, was trying to bring out how, you know, we would call, we would call him like a yeki today. It was very, very misudar. Everything in the Yeshiva had to go in a specific order, and the fact that a Bachar brought his bed into a closet next to the Bismedrish was something that he could not... Uh, he, he didn't stand for, and he told the janitor, he asked the janitor what happened, and he told him what happened, and he told him he has to bring it back to, to the dormitory, or wherever it was. But you see, he was a very big masman here in the yeshiva um, of Velazhin. Now, who was Reb Itzelah Velazhin's son-in-law? His son-in-law was someone named Naftali Tzvi Yehuda Berlin, who would be called, eventually known as the Nitziv, and eventually become the Rosh Hashiva Velazhin himself. Um, after his father-in-law. So, Rabbi Chiel Michal uh, was associated with this, the Nitziv, and um, eventually, Rabbi Chiel Michal became a brother-in-law with the Nitziv, marrying the Nitziv's sister, Michla, the daughter of the Gvir, Rabbi Yaakov Berlin, who was from the city of Mir. Now, his father-in-law, Rabbi Yaakov Berlin, gave him a quite a large dowry. He was his youngest son-in-law. And they gave it to a third party to invest the money, someone in Slutsk. And a short time after the Chasana, the rumors were going on about this third party in Slutsk, that he was going bankrupt and losing all his money. And the Chasana and the Kaler, Bichil Michal and his wife, were a little nervous what happened to their money. So they urged the father, the father-in-law, Rabbi Yaakov, Berlin, to go to Slutsk to find out what's going on. So when he came back, they asked him... Um, they asked him, so what, uh, what happened? What did he say? So he says, I never even saw him. He says, what do you mean you didn't see him? That's what you went for. So he said, listen, I asked around about him, and I found out he's in a very bad matzav, and he's taka, probably not able to repay the money. And there's an isra in the Torah, if you know somebody can't repay you, so you have to, you're not allowed to pressure him. And even going and showing yourself to him may be a pressure. So said, so said Rabbi Yaakov Berlin, I didn't even go to see him. Once I found out that he can't, he can't pay us back, and they lost all the money. There's another Nusuch that says that the Rechashulchan wasn't mekabal this, he wasn't happy with his father-in-law. And he says, um, according to that Nusuch, he actually went to Slutsk, and he related, he said, I did pressure him for the money, but he says, I came back with the same answer that my father-in-law came back with, and that is nothing. So they lo- he lost this, uh, the, the, the dowry. Um, it seems like he was living in Mir at that time, and a little bit after that, he decided to go back to um, his, his hometown of um, Bybrusik, and uh, his wife opened a store there. She sold uh, material, and she told, sold the uh, cloth. And, um, and when he was masked her, after she was nifter, the Aruch HaShulchan said that for 30 years my wife ran the store, and he says, I actually had no idea where the location of the store was. Can't imagine it was a very big city, but yet he was kuloi asuk in learning. He was not involved in the business at all. 
Um, this was about the year 1852 that he became, he went back to his hometown. At that point, Rebel Yol Goldberg, who we said who was a Rav outside in a city outside of uh, Babrusik, uh, became the Rav of Babrusik in the Kehila of the Misnagdim. Babrusik had two halves to it. He had a Hasidish Kehila, it had a Misnagdim Kehila, and he became the Rav of the Misnagdim. He gave the Orach HaShulchan Smicha. The Orach HaShulchan started saying Shiurim in front of Chaveirim Vitamidim Muflogim Matayra. <coughs> Excuse me, started saying Shiurim. And eventually, after a short amount of time, he became a Magid Shir in the Yeshiva there, where it's called Yeshiva's Altshol, because it was established by Rabbi Akiva Altshol. Rabbi Akiva Altshol was a Talmud of Rabbi Chaim Velazhenar, and he established a Yeshiva, and this was the biggest Litvishi Yeshiva in this Babrusik city, and he became a Magid Shir in this city. Um, now, it seems clear that he also stayed and he got Shimush from Rebellion Goldberg um, in Psak. And there's many places in Archa Shulchan that he brings Alasha and Masharobi Aldusi Migadal Echad. What I saw in my young uh, young uh, ye- younger years from a Gadal Echad. Now he doesn't say who that Gadal Echad is, but some of those Psakim are clearly from Rebellio Goldberg, and it's uh, we could assume that perhaps many of them, if not all of them, are also from him. I don't think we have anything really from this Rebbe Leol Goldberg except these Psakim that Dorach HaShulchan quotes. For example, in Yaradeya Tzadivav, he brings that when I was young, I heard from one of the G'daylim, that one gain was mekel with a radish. Ratech, he calls it. The shail is if a radish is called a dover charif, a sharp food that has ramifications in halacha of kashrus. And... Um, so it's brought down, a tsunai and a radish is sharp. But he says, I heard from Ron the G'daylim said that one guyin said that if it's a white radish as opposed to a black radish, white ones are not sharp and blacks are sharp. And the Rachashulchan says you could rely on this b'makam hafsid. Now, who were these people? So this is a famous story that Rebbe Leo Goldberg said over B'Shem Reb Chaim that Reb Chaim Elazhener passed in this, and Reb Leo Goldberg and other Talmidim were there, and someone asked him about a radish, and he said, was it white? And he said, it's, it's okay. And they couldn't believe it, and he said, because that's his, his understanding, um, and it seems that Reb Chaim Elazhener and his Talmidim actually passed in this way, L'Chatchila, the Archa Shulchan, interestingly, um, only says, B'makam Hafsit. So we know when he said, Echad HaGadoylim, that's Reb Leo Goldberg, that one going was Mekel, that's referring to Reb Chaim Velazhenar. Also in Simen Samachalif, Simen Nugimel, he says that Ani Reisi Bialdusi Legadol Echad Shekaydem Haregel, before Yantif, he would buy an animal and he would shecht it for the meat for Yantif and he would give Matnas Kahuna. As a Shail and Chutz Laretz, Bizman Azed, you have to give Matnas Kahuna. So he says he used to, he, he saw that his, his Agadol Echad used to do it. But the Archa Shulchan writes, Vani Levi, but I'm a Levi, Vein Bechalti Lekaima. I don't have that mitzvah of Matnas Kuna because I'm a Levi. Ashrei Enish Yasezais. Fortunate is someone who does this. And other places as well that he quotes, Godol Echor Bialdusi. And uh, again, he doesn't say the name, but we could assume that some of them, if not all of them, are the uh, Reb Eliol Goldberg. Um, in Kisvei Arach HaShulchan, Simen Lamed Vav, there's a letter that he wrote in Tafresh Chav Beis 
to the Rav of Varsha, the Gaivet of Varsha, about a Kedushin that seemed to have been a Machlaik, as it was a joke or not. And um, he writes, I'm writing this because the girl, Besulah, he Vasi, she's my relative. And he writes over there, that uh, he wanted to be moderate. Goldberg. The Rav also was maskim mipoi lahater. However, ach measher ko of liray because he he's, he can't see anymore. And this Rebbe Leo Goldberg is old and he can't sign even, so he asked me to look into this and to ask this the Rav of Varsha if he agrees to it because Rebbe Leo Goldberg did not want to be Mekel unless the Rav of Varsha was Mekel. So you see that Rebbe Leo Goldberg was Saimechanim to go through a sugya, to send the Shaila to be Matarit, be Mitzdarif to be Matarit, and to send the Shaila off to the Rav of Varsha. After about 15 years in the year Tough Reish uh, Chavdalid, um, 1864, he became his first Rabbonus was in a city called um, Novizhkov. N O V O Z Y B K O V. If you could, Novizhkov or something like that. Um, in, uh, in Yiddish, it's called Zibku or, or Nova Zibku, something like that. This is about 175 kilometers southeast of Babrusik, and it was a much smaller kahila, a third of the size, or, or, two th- or much smaller, or half the size, or, two the si- or a third of the size. It was an um, interesting city. Again, it was much smaller. Part of the residents were Maskilim. Um, the, the Frum residents were either, part of them were Chabad or Chernobyl Hasidim. So it was a Hasidish kahila. It's interesting that he was from the Misnagdim, Rabbi Chil Michal, and he became a Rav in this place. However, he said that the Hasidim in his hometown of Babrusik, they wrote a letter and they said, Kedai v'hogunli es Rav b'iri Hasidus. That Rabbi Chil Michal is Roy to be a Rav in a Hasidish shtetl. Um, a few months after he was there, since many of his inhabitants were Chabad, he went to Lubavitch to uh, meet the Tzemach Tzedek. It seems he was there for a week or two and he met him a few times. The Mekar Baruch brings a lot of stories about this, and there's in the Sefer Dardaya from um, another of the historians, he has a lot of tainas on, on the Mekar Baruch that these stories are hearsay. There's no way that he knew them with all these details. Uh, the, the details don't make a lot of sense. But it is clear that he Zichr went to meet the Tzemach Tzedek one, for one time, as, uh, uh, for sure, for a week or two. Met him a few times during that week. The Tzemach Tzedek was already old. And um, probably because the Hasidim wanted him to get, if they're his Rav, that he should get, um, he should know their Rebbe. We don't have many tshuvas from that period. However, a lot of times in his Sefer, Or Yesharim, he writes, Herachti b'zebemokamachar b'tshuva. So I, I, I was myrich about this in a different place in a tshuva, so it seems that he did have responsa from that period of time. Um, in our Hashulchan, in Yaradeya Kuftes Vav Sivav, he writes a story, He doesn't want to say the name of the city, but it's referring to this city. And uh, he's writing over there, I want to prove to you that all of the words of Chazal are Kedoshim Heim, Kigachale Eish. You have to be very careful with them like coals. He says, why? Because we know there's the Isra of Chalav Akum, and that is if a guy milks a cow, you're not allowed to drink from that milk. We're afraid maybe some other stuff was mixed into it. So he says there was a person in that city who was 
lenient in Chalavakam. When he used to go for business to the big city, he used to go to a coffee place and they used to get coffee with milk. And they noticed that the milk was very, very fatty. And um, they, they couldn't understand how he always has this fatty milk. And they finally asked this Gaisha, this Gaisha storekeeper, and he says, very simple. He says, I go get the milk, and then I get bones from the skull of animals that are very fatty, and I cook the milk and the bones together, and that's how I have fatty, uh, you know, fatty heavy cream, heavy cream to serve you. And he says, this Balabayas came in front of me, Vitsoak Bikoil, and he cried, and he was misvada, and he says, I didn't listen to the Chachamim. So this was in ear plainness in this city. Um, in Hilchus Shreifus, in Simon Memgimel Yurches, by a certain hole in a spleen, he says, he says, it's very common in certain places, like I saw Kishoyisi B'Medinus Raisin. Raisin is referring to Little Russia. We quoted him, he said before, he was in, born in Rusland Hamatira. That's uh, Russia proper. There was a, the, the area that today is called the Ukraine, that region used to be called as Little Russia. He calls it Raisin. In fact, he, when he signs his name in that same um, Sefer, he said, I was born in Rusland Hamatira, and now I am in Russia Haktana, in small Russia. So this is Medina's Raisin. Um, so he says, I saw it over there, there were a lot of times holes in the spleen, but he says, in Lita, I didn't see it really much. In Avanaezer, Kuntris Hashemois of men, Ois Lamid, and the name Loima, or something like that, a man's name, Lamid Yud Aleph Mem Aleph, he says, I remember, I heard, when I was in Medina's Raisin, I heard this name, he says, but I don't remember what it was a nickname for. So again, he's quoting things from this Tkufa, when he was here in this city. At that time, he printed his Sefer Arla Yisharim. Arla Yisharim is based on Sefer Hayosher L'Rabbeinu Tam, on Mesechtas, and it's a Pirish. It's very interesting. Um, he, his first Sefer wasn't Drush, it wasn't even Halacha. It was based on one of the Rishonim, very similar to his brother-in-law, the Nitziv, whose first Sefer was Hemek Shela, which revolved around the Shilta. He's also one of the Kadmonim. It's interesting that they, they both went with the same Mahalach with their first Sefer. This Sefer has Askamas from the Nitziv, Rabbi Tukhan Inspector, the Maril Diskin, and his uh, wife's uncle, Rameer Berlin. But the first Haskama, the one he put first, was actually from the Chernobyl Rebbe. Probably because his city was a Chesidish city, and in order for the success of the Sefer, so he put the Chernobyl's um, Haskama before all the Litvish Haskamas. Later on in Navardik, some Misnagdim broke into his house and they took all the copies of the Arli Yisharim and they ripped out all the Haskamas. They felt it was a Pegiyah that the Chasidish Haskamas should be before the, the Litvisha ones, the Misnagdim. And that's why the Archashulchan told somebody that's why there's many copies of the Arli Yisharim missing the Haskamas because they ripped out the Haskamas people broke into his house later on when it was in Navardik. Um, in 1874, at the end of his period of Rabbonus here, he actually, his brother-in-law, the Nitziv, his wife had been Nifter. His first wife was the daughter of Rabitzel of Velazhner. Her name was Raina Basia. She had been Nifter. And he married, um, they, had been, they had been married for over 40 years. And uh, the Nitziv got married when he was only 15 years old. So he married, in a second marriage, his niece, the Archashulchan's daughter. Archon Shulchan had a daughter who also was divorced after a very short marriage. 
and her name was Basia Miriam. It's interesting, both his wives, Rainer Basia and Basia Miriam. And she was Kamat 30 years younger than him. However, she wanted the Shidduch, and they put it together. And not only was he his brother-in-law, he then became the Nitziv, became his son-in-law. That summer, he became the Rav, and this is in the year 1874, he became the Rav in Navardik. Navardik is about 190 kilometers northwest of his birth town of Babrusik. It's in Medinas Lita. Navardik is an old Litvisha city. It's brought down in the Chuvas from the Marshal has a Chuva to Navardik, Chuvas Habach. This is from the 1500s, uh, late 1500s, 1600s. This is, uh, this is it's an old, uh, old uh, Jewish Litvisha city. In his Akdama to Chayshemishba, the Archashukhan writes, I'm sitting in the center of different uh, settlements in Lita. And Uviri in my city, Vichalagal, in the whole region, there's about 16,000 Jews, he writes. My job is to teach them Torah, Lahiris of Nesel, to Paskin for them. And he says, I know all about their, what they're involved in. Most of them are Melim, Yoim, Velayla, Lechem, Chukam. Most of them work very hard for their bread, for their Parnasa. Most of them live Bidoichik, Velachas. They live in very uh, stressful situations. He says, very few of them have land and gardens. And, uh, and I see that those who do, they work. You have to remember, Jewish owned land at the time was very uncommon. And um, the government didn't allow it. And he says, Halavai. The Memshala would give over the permission that any Jew should be able to buy some land. Not everyone was able to buy it. Because the government would then see how happy we would be to work in the land. The government didn't trust them that they should work in the land. And um, we, we saw this a long time ago with Rip Schleimager tried to set up such a thing um, in Poland that they should be able to be landowners. So this is what the Arach HaShulchan writes and he describes his, his region. Now, when he came to Navardik, one of the first things he did, one of the first things he did when he became the Rav was to make the time of davening Kabbalah Shabbos a significant time before sunset. Now you have to realize many people in those days, many cities, they went with the sheet of Rabbeinu Tam that you, there's a second Shkia. And you're allowed to do Malach on Arab Shabbos up to the second Shkia, which is uh, about 45 minutes after what we call sunset, um, a little bit. Uh, and uh, that's when Ben Hashemoshes begins. And even those who were maybe Makbid on Shkia, um, because uh, the Vilna Gain and others are very Makbid that it's the first Shkia, um, it wasn't so common, people weren't so nizer in this, and the Archashulchan is very much into the fact that you have to, to Suffolk Deiraisa, and he has a big arichas about this, that you have to be makbid on Shkia. And people will go down to the last minute. So he used to, he made Kabbalah Shabbos earlier, and um, this was a big struggle in the town. People weren't happy with this. And he would daven with his minion, and sometimes uh, he barely had a minion, had a minion of young kids, because people didn't come to daven, and they would come later. And after he finished his minion, he would stand by the Amud, and he would not let anybody to make another minion for Kabbalah Shabbos. Anyone who came late had to daven bi'echidus. Had to daven bi'echidus. Um, 
And in Simon Reish Membez in Arachayim and Reish Nulvav and Reish Samach Zayin, he talks about this and um, the, the, the need to be Mazaras the people. He writes, V'chayv Kadosh. It's a, it's a holy uh, obligation. And the Rav of the city and the Yereim Shabir and the people who are worried about Ruchnius. Make sure to daven early in order to uh, stop Chilo Shabbos. Another thing in Avardik and Hilchas Gitin, Kuf Chavches, Sivches, he has a little bit of an issue how they write Navardik in a get. The way Navardik is written is Nun Aleph Vav Vav Hey, Reish Dalid. It should be Aleph Kuf. And um, in Gitin, the minute was right, they didn't write an Aleph, they would just write Dalid Kuf. And he wasn't so happy about that. He writes, When I first got here, I thought a lot about it. He says, But I was this I was afraid to change. Many G'daylim were the Rav in Navardic, and they all wrote a get this way. So therefore, although I don't like it, however, that, I, he says, I was afraid to change. Another thing he writes about the Minigan of Arduk and Hilchas Rosh Hashanah, Tav Kuf, Peiches, or Tzadiches, I think, he writes, Vidash a Minigi Reinu, Kishemispalim Mincha Bar Rosh Hashanah, Teka Vachar Musaf. The Minigan our city is that when you daven Mincha and Rosh Hashanah right after Musaf, you don't say Avinu Malkenu by Mincha, even if it's a weekday, because you already said it during Shacharis. I remember one of our Mispalim told me, Ram Weiner, who uh, lives in Eretzel now, he told me that Rav Gusman used to spaskin like this, Arach HaShulchan as well. If Mincha is right after Musaf and Rosh Hashanah, you don't say Avinu Malkeinu. But he says that's the Minig of our city. Now if you remember, when we talked about the Shagas Aryeh in Valazhin, there was a very big um, tumul about a certain type of sircha, a certain type of lesion um, in a lung, Shail of Trefus, that the Mechaber, the Shulchan Aruch, is Mekel, and the Ramah is Machmer, and the Shagas Aryeh in Velozhin, Paskin Lekula. The rest of the, most of the world, Paskin like the Ramah, the Chumrah. If you remember, the Shagas Aryeh Paskin like that, and later on, we had the Shagas Aryeh came back, and the, 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 the Gedolim of the city asked him again, and he laughed at them, he said, you already asked me this, it's Kasher. Reb Chaim Velozhin are Paskin like that, because of the Shagas Aryeh. We had a letter that says, for 70 years they Paskin that way, so, um, so the, 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 it wasn't only in Valazhin, it was the Talmidim of Chaim Valazhiner as well. And the Archashulchan writes in Simon Lamentas in Yaradea Sif Tzadi Gimel, I'm sorry, this thing is, is the Minag in these cities, Mikama Doiris, for many generations, Al Piha Goin Shagas Arye, Shohai Rekain, a court like the Shagas Arye Paskind. Uviri Nagukain, he says, in my city of Navardik, the Minig is also like that. The Rav of Navardik, one of them was a Talmud of Rechaim Velazhner, he wrote a sefer called Galia Mesechta, Reb David, and um, he paskin like that, like Rechaim Velazhner, and the Rechashulchan is saying that is the Minig in the city to paskin the same way, Lekula, like the Mechaber, and not like the Ramah. Now, as a Rav in this city, yeah, there was a lot of balancing to do. There were a lot of the old-timers, so to speak, those, I want to call them old-timers, but they're the ones who kept the old Minhagim and Meserev Klai Yisrael. There was a lot of Mishadshim, new people who come along, came along, 
with Haskala and all types of different things. And as Rav, there was a lot of balancing he had to do. And you see this from numerous places, how he had to give in to certain things. One of the main thing, or one of the things we find is Lagabi the Chazonim. In Simon Nun Gimel, in Arachayim Sifyud Gimel, he says, There's a lot to talk about the Chazanim nowadays. Just like there's a mitzvah to say things that will be accepted, there's a mitzvah not to say things that won't be accepted. So he says, I'm not going to say anything. And over there in Siv Vav, he writes as well in Nun Gimel, The people are strong. He says it's very hard to control things. The people, they wield a very strong hand, especially when it comes to the Chazanim. People aren't able to protest. And also in Hilchah Shabbos, Shin Lamaches Ches, he says that it's tens of years, Sheposa Mispachas, that this uh, calamity, this, this nega, this saras, has spread. They have like a tuning fork they used to hold and then they used to put in their mouth. It's a shayla how you could do this on Shabbos. He writes, We can't be pro- we can't protest. And he says, and even if someone wants to protest, he says, I'm sorry, he says, not only can we not protest, there are people who just want to walk out of the shul when the chazan starts this. He says, um, they can't do it. All of a sudden everyone says, oh, you're being bali machlaikas, you want to leave the shul, so it makes it even more machlaikas. And he writes at the end of that, of that paragraph, paragraph we have to find this It's chalila to say that Klai Yisrael should be nichshal, should stumble in this Isr Midrabanon. So he finds up as a heter why it's okay. It's so hard for us to say that Klai Yisrael is being nichshal, not just in this Isr, but when they're davening in front of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Um, he continues in that piece, he says, another problem, the Chazanim, they repeat words once and twice, and not only that, <laughs> they have their sitter, and then they used to have the notes. They put the notes on the Amud, so that they sing with the proper notes. There was a lot of issues with the Chazanim. Um, he says, all of this, He says, Everyone is mitzar, the Yireli Kim, but they don't have the power to be Meicha. So this was one of the issues he dealt with in, in his city. Um, he knew all of the Chaylim in the city, and he used to take care of them. He used to say that on Yom Kippur, he doesn't daven so much, because he has to take care of the sick people, make sure they're fasting okay. He would go to the hospitals, he would go to their houses, he would go around to the different shuls and call people out to see how they're fasting, and if they weren't fasting well, he would make sure that they, that they eat. In his Drushes, which is printed at the end of uh, Yerdei Echele Gimel, called Drushes Kol Ben Levi, you could see the, the, the problems of the, of, the, of the tkufa, of the generation. Um, one of the things he speaks about in numerous places is how the, the, the enlightenment, the seichel um, of, of the world is becoming so great People are becoming advanced and things like that. And he says you would think that the more advanced they would come, the less they would hate the Jews. Because you would think primitive people, okay, you know, out in the, you know, in the little shtetl in Poland, people living in huts and they have it in their blood. But when people become, you know, cultured people, 
they would be more accepting. And he says, you see, the exact opposite is true. You see, in Germany and in France, he says, the more culture they become, the sinna is misgaber le'ain kates. And he talks about uh, why that is. But you see, this is one of the things that was being uh, dealt with. And from his drushes, you could see other issues of the time as well. While he was Rav in Avardik, he was offered the Rav in the big city of Bialystok. However, he said that it's going to be too much, too many tirdus there. He would say in Yiddish, he would say, Dart Kenmin Ken Nitmachin. He says, Over there we won't I won't be able to write my Arachashulchan. I won't have the time and the and the uh, and the Shabbos Hanefesh, the Menuchas Hanefesh, the peace of mind, to be able to write the Arachashulchan. So let's talk about the Arachashulchan for a moment. Um, in Tafresh Lamid, um, which is uh, 1870, he started to write, and his first chalak uh, of Shulchan Aruch he wrote on was Chesha Mishpat. He writes in Nakdama, Ki Amuk Amuku, it's very deep. And he says, even though in the beginning of Chesha Mishpat, there's the, the Ketzais and the Nesivas and the Mefarshim, um, are Meirich, there's, there's a lot of Mefarshim. However, as you get further on, the second half of, of Chesha Mishpat, he says there's much less. And therefore, he's going to write on Chayshim Mishpat first. Um, he, he, he bases his Sefer similar to the Levush. He says, you know, the Shulchan Aruch was a little too Makatzer. And as we know from the Shir on the Levush, that the Levush brought more of the Makairis and the reasons. So he says the Levush did that. But um, since then, there's so many more Achreinim and Naisekelim. So therefore, he feels that he has to write, um, he says, um, so what the Levush was trying to accomplish, so he says, we're back to people not understanding what's going on, a lot of confusion, and therefore, um, that's why he's writing the Arach HaShulchan. And Akdama there, he gives about eight or ten reasons of the Mahalach of Arach HaShulchan, and one of them is as well, he says he gives prominent place to the Psak of the Rambam as well, not just to the Shulchan Arach and um, the Ramah. His Kayach was in Kayach de Hetera. He was always looking for a heter. That was what he felt is the, the job of a rav. Anyone could be machmer to find a heter, especially if there was a hefsid, especially if it was a, uh, it was, it was a shasat chak. As we saw before, that's why he, he was talking about in the Hakdama that the people in his city and his area, they're very poor. There's a lot of doichik and lachat. This is one of the reasons that he had to, uh, you know, th- that he was makel in things. And he used to say, he used to work very hard to find a kula. And even if he would just find one makel, he would say, okay, that's one makel, and then there's me. I'm mitzaref as well to the makel. And now we have two, and for sure we could be makel. And he would say that if... I'm going to be summoned to a din and cheshben that I pask in Lakula on this shaila. He would say, I'll bring the Torah itself to testify for me because I went in the ways of the Torah. The ways of the Torah is lochus amamayim shal Yisrael to be concerned about the loss of money for Klai Yisrael and therefore the Torah is going to be my, my defense. So he wrote on all of Dalid Chelke Shulchan Aruch. Now the way he wrote it is unbelievable. The way he wrote it was, he used to sit in the Bezdin room of all day, except for a couple hours, he went to eat, he went to Davin, and Shilas and Batidin, things would come in, and in between people coming in, he would sit at his table, his, his grandson wrote this, he saw it, he, he sit at his table, all he had with him was a Rambam, a tour, Shulchan Aruch, I guess, Negea to whatever he was writing on, 
and the Masechta of Shas in a small, it says before Makata, in a small Gemara of what, uh, what he was learning, and he would just sit there and write straight. All he had was those four Svarim. He says once in a blue moon, he would get up to look at another Sefer, and he would come back. There were no, he, there were no mistakes, there were no cross-outs, there were no smudges. They took the papers as is, straight to the printer. There was no editing necessary. That is how he wrote it. Ben Gavra Legabra, Legabra, he wrote it Bekalus of Mehiris. Unbelievable. From his Bekias and from all of it, all of it, all he had were those Svarim, and that's how he wrote the Orach HaShulchan. So he wrote the Orach HaShulchan on all Chesh first, and Evan Ezra, Yardar, Achayim. He also wrote something called Orach HaShulchan HaAsid, which is on Kodshim and Zeroim and Taharis, things that are not Negea necessarily Bizman Azeh. He has a Haggadah called Lel Shimurim, unbelievable Pirish, they recently reprinted it, Haggadah Shal Pesach. He had a Pirish on the Yerushalmi called Mechal Hamayim. And like we mentioned before, his drushes are called Kol Ben Levi. And not so long ago, they put out Kisvei Arach HaShulchan, which has in it the Arla Yisharim. We spoke about that on Rabbeinu Tam. And also some Chuvas that they have from him. His wife was Nifter Yudbez Elol in Tafresh Samach Bez of 1902. And in 1904, he got some type of um, eye uh, sickness, and it was very hard for him to read and to write, and it bothered him very much. And in those chuvas in Kisver HaShulchan, there's numerous chuvas that he wrote. Vyamenli says, Shekamata eni royamash eni kaisev. He says, I, I, I believe me that I, I can't see what I'm even writing here. And in numerous places, he talks about the pain that he has that he's not able to read or to uh, or, or to write well. Um, in these last few years of his life. The Panovich Arav, Rabbi Yosef Kahneman, he came to learn in Navardic at the age of 20 in Elul of Tuf Reish Samach Zayin in 1907, the end of the year, the Jewish year of 1907, right before Rosh Hashanah of, of Tuf Reish Samach And at that time, the Rosh was already at home because he was so weak. He had a minion in his house. He barely went out. However, it says uh, the, the Panovich Arav, Rav Kahneman, used to go to him, and the Archashulchan, if he didn't show up one day, would call him, why didn't you come? And he says, but he still, his mind was clear, and he was always learning. Before the Archashulchan was nifter, he gave the Panovich Arav smicha, and in the, towards the end of Wintersman, of that year of Tafresh Samaches, he wanted to go home. He was from a city called Kul, in Lita. And he wanted to go home, and the Archa Shulchan, who sensed his end was near, he asked him, that, please stay over Pesach, that Kihila should have a Rav over Pesach. And um, actually, the Archa Shulchan was Nifter on Chaf Ches Adar Beis, Tuf Reish Samaches of 1908, and he left in his Savah that the city should not choose a new Rav until after Pesach, probably because if there's such a tumult over a new Rav, you know, there's so many Shilas over Pesach, wait till after Pesach. And he says, till they choose a new Rav, Rabbi Yosha from Kul, which is a nickname from Rabbi Yosef Kahneman from Kul, together with one of the other Dayanim, they should take care of the Mechiras Chametz. So he was Taka the Rav in the Vardik for one month from the Arach HaShulchan's Ptira till after Pesach. Like we said, he was Nifter Chavches, Adar Beis, Tafresh Samaches. He was buried in the Vardik. We mentioned his son, Reb Baruch, who was the author of the Teret Mima. He had another son, Reb Duber Halevi. He had three daughters. One of them we mentioned before was the wife of the Nitziv. And um, this is the Aruch HaShulchan, whose psak is a psak for Klai Yisrael. They say from Reb Henkin. And I heard someone who told me that his, his uncle heard this from Reb as well, that the Aruch HaShulchan is the Paisak Achrein, even over the Mishnabura. 
Um, there's such a mahalach in Klai Yisrael, but even if it's not, they are both for sure on equal standing. The Archa Shulchan is the Kayach Teatera of the Archa Shulchan, and the Kayach Psak of the Archa Shulchan is considered from the Paiskim Achreinim for Klai Yisrael. Schusa Yogen Aleinu Val Yisrael. Have a wonderful day, everyone. Kaltov.